0: Welcome to the Holistic Author Show. I'm your host, Kit Kilstow, the author yogi. Each episode, we'll talk about how to recraft the publishing paradigm to help you take care of what matters, you and your creativity. Discussing topics ranging from the publishing business to physical and mental health, and even mind-body balance as you juggle the many duties of being an author today, the Holistic Author Show will help you make the choices you need to craft the right publishing career for you. And now, this week's show. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Holistic Author Show. I'm Kit Kailstow, your host. And this week, I want to do kind of a personal show, but also one that I hope will help a great many listeners. And that is, I want to talk about how to recover from severe burnout. Now, before I dive into the topic, I want to touch on two things. First of all, it is my most sincere wish in the work that I do through the Holistic Author Show here, through my author coaching at Author Yogi, it is my most sincere wish for you that you never, ever, ever experience burnout to the point where it affects your writing. I also have to accept and understand that there's a good chance that, you know, many of us in this financial paradigm will experience burnout. It's kind of the nature of capitalism. It's the nature of here in the U.S., the idea of rugged individualism, that if you work hard enough, that if you do enough things, you'll be able to get ahead. And because of that, that causes burnout. The type of burnout I want to talk about is actually neurodivergent burnout. So there's two different kinds of burnout. There's neuro, there's probably more than that. But for the most part, um, a lot of um, professionals and people accept that there's neurotypical and neurodivergent burnout. And so neurotypical burnout is the kind of the burnout that you see, kind of the, the quick takes on, on all the magazines, the how to avoid burnout, how to recover from burnout. That's usually neurotypical burnout. And that is very real. And I don't want to dismiss it. But my focus here is on severe burnout, which is quite often neurodivergent burnout. So I want to stop for a moment and kind of identify what I mean by neurodivergent burnout. First of all, neurodivergence is an extremely broad umbrella. A lot of people think it just covers autism and ADHD, which it does. But there's many other mental health conditions and ways that our brains work Which also fall under the heading of neurodivergence. So if you have anxiety disorders, depression, um, if you experience OCD, um, bipolar, if you experience schizophrenia or schizoaffective disorder, if you experience um, personality disorders, then Those all fall under the umbrella of neurodivergence because neurodivergence simply means your brains work differently than a neurotypical person, which our medical, our psychiatric, our Western mode of medicine is based on, you know, the average cis white male neurotypical person. I could dive into this a lot more. Um, I've got a book on my Amazon books to be read list that dives really into how we came up with neurotypical as being normal, quote unquote, normal, and what that means and what that has meant for a lot of people. So I don't want to take that side quest on this podcast, but know that neurodivergent burnout is something more than the burnout you read about in the magazines or you see on the Sunday morning shows. Um... A neurodivergent burnout comes from living and existing in a world that simply isn't built for us. We have to mask. And a good way to explain masking is there's a depression mem that has gone around for many years. And it talks about how Robin Williams was always the happiest person alive. Anthony Bourdain seemed very happy. Kate Spade actually spoke with a family member about a half an hour before Her passing and she sounded very happy, and yet these people succumbed to depression. Um, And so, and and I apologize for couching that in the way that I did. I don't want to um, provide any triggering words around um, suicidality. So, but the you know, masking is when you feel like you know, death warmed over after a cold, and someone says, How are you doing? and you're like, Oh, I'm okay. I'm fine. That's masking. What neurodivergent people have to do, and myself, I'm included in this, I'm um, autistic ADHD with a a hefty side helping of anxiety, a Thanksgiving sized helping of anxiety, I guess we'll say, um, is that basically we have to mask all the time. Nobody wants to hear about what we're dealing with, what we're going through. Nobody wants to hear about our sensory issues, nobody wants to hear anything other than we're doing okay, and we're not bothering them. And if that sounds a little harsh, I kind of mean it that way. But when you're out in public, or when you're in writers groups, unless it's a specific neurodivergent or disability friendly group, that's pretty much what's expected. And so our burnout comes from not only tr- having to mask the way we feel, masking a lot of our sensory inputs, dealing with sensory overload, dealing with everything that we deal with, but doing so in a society that pretty much doesn't want us to exist the way that we exist. And when you take that, you couple that with this hellish statistics about autistic and neurodivergent individuals and employment. The way that for many of us working in a job um, that creates demands on us where we can't do what we need to do to take care of us pretty much just runs us down. When you add all of that together, it becomes to severe burnout. What I find, and I'm going to speak from my personal experience here, but also I found this in talking with other neurodivergent people, is that in burnout, we often don't realize that we're in severe burnout. We think it's absolutely normal to live feeling like you got ran over by a proverbial truck every single day. We think it's normal to work in jobs that just that just drain you, that don't accept you, that Um, Pretty much just, you know, take the life out of you and out of your life. Um, We feel like that that's normal because that's what our experience always has been. And until we actually speak and, you know, network with other neurodivergent people, we may just think that what we're dealing with is normal. And so, because of that, we don't recognize our burnout or the signs of burnout until it's vastly too late. The other issue that you run into with burnout is that people think you can just get over it. You can, you know, all those articles I was just talking about, all those articles, all those, you know, healthy news segments, talking about getting over or curing your burnout. For many people, but especially neurodivergent folk, The burnout isn't so much something you get over, but it kind of goes into remission. It waxes and wanes. It's always there under the surface, ready to pop its head back up again. And it's on to us to be very careful with how we manage our energy, how we manage what we do in order to keep that burnout kind of at arm's length. But sometimes that isn't possible. And so, for example, I had very severe burnout. I thought I was. Is getting better and now as 2024 starts i'm recording this the first part of january it will air the first part of february 2024 i'm realizing you know oh crap i'm in burnout again or I'm you know, coming out of burnout again and I thought I was done with this. And that's kind of the cycle that neurodivergent people get into. So this is going to run long. I'm almost at the 10-minute mark already just explaining all of this. But I want to talk a little bit about what I do or what I am doing to come out of severe burnout. And kind of what that burnout looks like. So what does a... Burnout, severe burnout look like? And I'm going to have to use the word functional here. I absolutely hate that word as applied to people because, you know, furniture is functional, not people. And I wrote a blog on that topic. But for many of us, we are still going through our daily lives. You know, I graduated magna cum laude from college while in severe burnout. So... A lot of people go through our daily lives on the outside. We don't look like we're in burnout when we have not just am drowning, but we drowned inside. Um, we are done. And so what I find is that the physical symptoms, especially for somebody with a chronic illness and the chronic illness at the medical community pretty much just hand waves away, which is fibromyalgia, Um I'm in rural Missouri. If you're getting treatment for your fibromyalgia, that's awesome. And I'm so happy for you. Here in rural Missouri, it's, they don't, they took it off. They didn't want to deal with it. So they just took it off my medical (laughs) chart. So I don't get treated and have never really gotten good treatment for my fibromyalgia because it is considered the modern day hysteria. And so, you know, on a normal basis, the physical, the exhaustion, the aches and pains, the calling out to sick um, more often, which works if you have sick days, but I've worked um, without without sick days or vacation now since 2021. So that gets you an idea of the burnout, um, what causes it too. But, you know, those physical symptoms don't mean much to me because that's something I deal with because of the fact that I am medically abandoned. So we think about the emotional symptoms. Well, you know, having little or no interest in things, having a low mood. Well, that's my depression. I have major depressive disorder. And so again, I can't count on those mental health symptoms to tell me that I'm in burnout either. The only way that I really know that I've been in severe burnout is that it's 2024 and I'm trying to figure out where the last three years went. Um, I'm also not alone in this. But the other way, and since we're authors, this is the way I wanted to talk to you about it, is if I look at my word count tracker, I use an Excel spreadsheet. Um, I track my um, word count. I used to do it daily. Now I do it monthly. I kind of do it week by week. So... When I look at this, um, my 2020 total was 566,194 words. That's down about 80,000 from my 2019 total, um, but you know that's still half over half a million words is not nothing to sneeze at. If I look at 2021, though, my total was 299,868 words, so roughly half, um, maybe a little, a little bit more than half. Just kind of doing some brain um, calculations there. But you know, my word count total dropped in half in 2021. 2021 also, incidentally, is the year that I had to do one college class on campus each semester, because my college decided the pandemic was over. And even though I was promised an online degree, that they're not, that's not how they were going to do things. So, you know, I could see that drastic word count, but wait, it gets better. In 2022, I wrote 15,034 words. So obviously, going from 300,000 words, which again, is still way nothing to sneeze at, Down to 15,000 words, that tells me that something was going on there. And that is where I can tell you that 2022 um, was the year of severe burnout. That was the year of I simply existed through my life. And in 2023, I wrote 60,000 words. So I wrote four times as many words. But if I look at the monthly breakdown, it was, I want to say May or June. It could have been earlier. I'd I'd have to open up the other spreadsheet. Um, May or June, I had zeros all the way until May or June. And then I started writing again. And then I had some zeros. And now since um, we were out of the semester for, well, I graduated with my bachelor's in December. So since then, I have been writing. And I've been averaging... You know, a a few thousand words a week, which is, I'm doing great. I'm thrilled. Um, And that's one of the ways, actually, that I have started to support myself as I ease out of burnout. And that is, I am not as hard on myself as I used to be. You know, I... And it really took seeing those numbers and realizing what impact that had on my life as an author, because I've always been an author. But during that severe burnout period, I was thinking about giving it all up. Um, In fact, you'll notice even with Epona Author Solutions, there kind of was a big lull there for about 18 months. I was thinking about giving it all up. Um, And so... The th- that fact is, I had to come back to myself, remember that I'm a storyteller, remember that telling stories, being an author, communicating with other authors, helping other authors, I had to remember that all of that was part of who I am and part of my, my self-care. And so I started making writing myself care and doing something that I want to do for myself really helped start to nurture me out of that burnout. The other thing was simply realizing that I am neurodivergent simply realizing that I'm neurodivergent allowed me to work with the way that my brain works to accept and understand that this is who I am. This is how my brain works and it's okay. Um, I am seriously deeply into disability and mad liberation. Um, that's something I'll talk about more on the chicken yogi, um, podcast to plug one of my other podcasts. Um, I am seriously into unconditional love and acceptance. And I see, and the other thing is that in 2021, I was certified as a yoga teacher. And in 2022, again, you can see a lot of that just fell by the wayside, but I've really um, dove back into that. And I really want to thank my co- a college professor of mine. He was my advisor. Um, I've got a class with him this come- up and coming semester a grad school, um, graduate level class that I'm really looking forward to because it's the history of the religions of Asia Um But his class on yoga and meditation and his theories of religion class really helped me kind of dive deep into who I am, what I want to do, what I'm driven to do, and find some way to make it work. And so the other thing that's really helped me out of burnout is to silence those negative voices in my head, to realize that those negative voices were put there by other people who may have been well-meaning, especially us neurodivergent people. A lot of times we are not taking traditional career paths. We're not taking traditional, you know, what do I want to be when I grow up paths. And so because of that, we often are told that we can't do what we want to do. And those voices lead to burnout, those voices lead to masking, those voices lead to us suppressing our actual desires and what fulfills us and what our life's purpose are in order to fulfill some other person's view of what we could be. And that drives us into severe burnout. And coming out of that and finding ways to make that work is a way to come out of severe burnout. But And I wish, I wish, I wish I could provide like a five-step plan for coming out of severe burnout. And to get as close to that as possible, I'd have to say it's first of all, you have to realize your burnout. And if you are neurodivergent, realize that your burnout is not going to look like the burnout that's in all the magazines. And realize that your burnout is not going to be as easily overcome as all of those articles make it sound. And so it's not your fault if you're not, you know, bouncing back out of burnout, or you're not, you know, getting better. It's not not a case of getting better it's a case of understanding your needs and caring for your needs and doing so in an almost radical way because we live in a world that doesn't give a damn about our needs um and so the other part with that is learn network with other neurodivergent people. And I know I'm asking you to do something when you're in burnout, but it's almost healing to connect with other people whose brains work like yours and to realize that you're not alone, that what you're dealing with is actually more common than you think. And that a lot of us have been there before and we are very happy and very welcome to reach out a hand and make sure that, you know, we lift other people up. I know I am anyway. Um, So I think that's a large part of it. But then the other part is willing to experiment, willing to think about what would fulfill you the most, be willing to try things, which again can be very difficult if you're neurodivergent. Um, we, We tend to, they call it monotropism, the way that we view the world. And so because of that, we tend to view the world through you know, one thing at a time. It's the multitasking sensory overload that really kind of you know, affects our life. So be willing to try new things or to experiment. Be willing to think about, and, and when I say try new things, don't, don't force yourself onto the, okay, I'm gonna do yoga every morning. And I say that because doing more yoga is something that I want to do with self-care. But, you know, the brain, the schedule, sometimes it just doesn't work out. But when I say, you know, if you say, you know, okay, this is helping me. I want to do more of it. Don't make it something you have to do. That tends to throw up blocks for the neurodivergent brain. Try to find ways to make it fun. Try to find ways to bring it into your life. Try to find new routines for it. And the other thing is just to be patient. It is going to take a long time to come out or to put that burnout into remission because it took a long time to get you into burnout. That was a steady depletion of your resources over a long period of time. You need to build back up those resources. And unfortunately, many of us need to do that while existing in a world that is doing nothing but depleting our resources even more. So there is a case where we need to bring these you know, our resources back up to a certain level, but we need to do so in a way that is safe and healthy for us. We can't do, you know, the neurotypical, okay, it's the new year. I'm going to go to the gym every day, lose 20 pounds sort of thing. And that's not really healthy either, to be honest with you. So when we think about severe burnout, we need to kind of basically reframe everything that we ever knew about burnout As neurodivergent folk, our burnout is different. I I I feel like I'm repeating myself here, but it is different. And so everything that you have been taught about burnout talks about the more easily put into remission neurotypical burnout that's based on like you know work life balance. Work life balance is almost a joke to those of us who are neurodivergent because we're not allowed to achieve it and still do things like, I don't know, pay our mortgage, um, you know, buy groceries, that sort of thing. So when you think about all of that, there is a lot of things that go into the burnout, a lot of things that go into coming out of the burnout. So I would say, you know, identify that you're in burnout network with other neurodivergent folk you know mastodon has a great community i'm in a great community on slack um there are other you know discord servers there are many different ways to network with neurodivergent people Um, there's many blogs Um, there's a lot of pages on facebook I would probably stay away from corporate-owned social media just because the algorithm feeds you things. And I'm not saying that those things are bad or wrong, but they can also, I think, give you the wrong idea of what it looks like to be neurodivergent. Um, I would honestly look for pages or people that are as honest with you as I am. Because if they're only showing you their highlight reels, that's not really helpful to neurodivergent people and to building that sense of community and to helping people realize that they're not alone. And frankly, I would extend that out to just about anything. You know, if, if all you see are happy, shiny posts from an author or something... Um, I I guess I would think about how they want to interact with you and what they're willing to show and what narratives they're buying into with that. But that's, again, a side quest, another block, another podcast episode. So network, find out information, and then be willing to experiment. You know, those things that they mentioned, starting a journal, yoga, meditation, walking, exercise. To some extent they can be helpful yes. Um, I started a very specific type of journal and I find that it helps me if nothing else. I get um, well my journals for my PTSD nightmares and so I get those out of my head first thing in the morning by writing them down and then I can you know not only see that yes there's a pattern here but also kind of get them you know it's it's like, you know, putting some a timer so you don't worry for the next half an hour. I, I write in my journal and then they're out of my head and they're ho- hopefully affecting my mental health less throughout the day. So a journal like that, um, you know, drawing smiley faces on a calendar um, or frowny faces, depending on how you feel. Those sort of things are good trackers without being traditional long form journal prompts. Um, I really like um, academic planners Um, Undated planners are usually the best because, you know, I can jot down a few things about how I'm feeling, maybe, you know, something notable about my sleep or, you know, okay, this was the day I had to go into town and run all the errands. So then this is my recovery day, that sort of thing. Um, There's different ways to do that. And I think it's up to us or, you know, up to you to find out the ways that work for you. Because not everything works for everyone. Some people love bullet journals. They kind of drive me nuts, for example. Um, But I know people that swear by them. So you know, that's where you need to be willing to experiment to think about things. And once you can do that, you can start to pick up the pieces. And I think I'm going to do a second podcast because we're approaching about 25 minutes here. And I think I'll do a part two of this talking about how to pick up the pieces. So I will catch you next week with part two. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, follow. If you find that what I'm doing benefits you, um, please go to Kofi fi or um, at the Muse Charmer Network website at the very bottom. We have a Patreon. We've got a tip jar on our website. You know, um, I'm not asking you to financially support this, but if you find what I'm doing is helpful, you know, to- toss a few coins to your resident author yogi. So um, I certainly don't mind that at all. And that really helps tell me what content you guys want as well. So I will talk to you next week about how we pick up those pieces. You've been listening to The Holistic Author Show, presented by Epona Author Solutions and distributed on the Muse Charmer Network. I've been your host, Kit Kailstow, the author yogi. If you'd like to learn more about our show, check out our sponsors, or find out how to be a guest, visit podcast.eponaauthorsolutions.com title music is Dream House by Purple Planet Music. You can find out more about them at purple-planet.com. Until next time, be well.